friends, for the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at the I am statements from John's gospel. There are seven. They are printed on the front of your bulletin. We've looked at Jesus when he said, I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. And today we hear when Jesus says, I am the gate. It comes to us from the 10th chapter of John's gospel, verses 1 through 10. And this is Jesus speaking. Very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, there I am, (laughs) but climbs in by another way is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name. And leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Now, Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life. And have it abundantly. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we know that there is no such thing as preaching unless your Holy Spirit is in every word that is spoken. So it is my prayer that you would come, Holy Spirit, and take these fragile human words and make them into something of your own. We pray, too, that your spirit would open our hearts and minds to what you would say to us this day. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Many years ago, there was a study done by a group of psychologists, and they wanted to ask the question, what fosters that feeling of love between two people? They're talking about the love that friends have for one another, the love that a couple may have for one another. They were curious about if what and if causes that feeling to develop. So they tested a lot of different things, but what they came up with was 36 questions. 36 questions that can lead to love. The idea is that if two people sat down with one another and they ask each other these questions— And they answered honestly and openly. By the time they got through with all the questions, that feeling of love or kinship would begin to grow between them. Now, there are three sets of questions. And as you might imagine, the first set of questions are pretty simple. Questions like, if you could have anyone over for dinner, living or dead, who would it be? You move to the second set and they become a little more personal. Questions like, What is something you had hoped to accomplish in your life by now but haven't done yet, and why? By the time you get to the third set of questions, you're feeling really vulnerable 
because they're really heart-opening questions. Questions like, what is your biggest regret? Who is someone who has hurt you and why? The idea is that by opening themselves up and being known, someone will learn to love them. You've heard that you can love someone if you just know their story. The 36 questions are a way of knowing someone's story and fostering that feeling of love between them. In John's gospel, for several chapters now, we have seen people who have been vulnerable in front of Jesus, people that he knows something about and has shown love to them. Jesus is learning the story of his people, and in every instance, he loves them once he knows their story. We are in chapter 10, but take, for example, chapter 8. In chapter 8, there's the story of the woman caught in adultery. Do you remember this story? The Pharisees and scribes hope to catch Jesus in some sort of religious squabble about the law. And they bring this poor woman before them. And they say, teacher, she's been caught in the very act of adultery. The law of Moses says she should be stoned. What do you say? And Jesus looks at this woman in her shame and her humiliation. And he says to all those Pharisees and scribes, Let the one of you without sin cast the first stone. And they walk away because they know they've all sinned. But the really beautiful part, the loving part, is after that when Jesus has a conversation with the woman. He says, woman, who's here to condemn you? And she says, they've all left. And then Jesus says, I don't condemn you either. Just go and sin no more. He hears her story. It is vulnerable for her, and he loves her. In chapter 9, we have much a similar story where Jesus heals the man who is born blind. This is another example where the disciples are talking with Jesus, and they ask him, Teacher, who was it that sinned? Was it the man who sinned, and so he was born blind? Or was it his parents? Did they sin, and that's why he was born blind? The idea being that someone had done something wrong if this man was blind. And Jesus looks at this man and knowing his story loves him and says, no one sinned. This man was born blind so that we could see the works of God in his life. There's no reason for the blindness. But if you look closely, you will see good things happen because God loves this man. That feeling of love is growing. And here we come again to a discussion with the Pharisees. And they want to know what Jesus means when he says, I am the gate. And I wanted to know too. I don't know about you. But what does it mean when Jesus says, I am the gate? There is the idea here that those who have come before presumably those who have said people have to follow the law to be loved by God, to be righteous in front of God. Jesus calls them thieves and bandits. They've tried to steal from people. They haven't been life-giving. They've sucked the life out of them while they try to earn their righteousness. And Jesus says, I am the gate. Those who come in, those who believe in Jesus... They are given not condemnation, but green pasture and a life of abundance and care. 
When Jesus says, I am the gate, he is saying to all the people who are his, you can come into my sheepfold. You will be my lambs and I will care for you. You don't have to struggle. You don't have to earn the love. I even know your story and I know your shortcomings, but still you will be my lambs. Just come into the sheepfold. The best image I have of this is many years ago when my daughters were infants. I can remember being up late one night, probably bleary from lack of sleep, but I was feeding one of the babies and the house was quiet and the baby fell asleep and her big sister was asleep in her crib and my husband was asleep and I remember thinking, everyone I hold dear is here and safe and loved. And that baby didn't have to worry about being good or about earning my love. She just had it because she was mine. You are Jesus's infant in that story. You are so beloved by Jesus Christ that Jesus calls you his own and offers you all sorts of goodness out of his amazing love. You don't have to earn a thing. I don't know about you, but those thoughts of earning things, of doing more, of being more productive and more successful, they creep in all of the time. But Jesus reminds us that he has called us his own the minute we entered the gate and that he gives us rest and pasture and a life more full than we ever could have imagined. Now it would seem at this point in the sermon that I'm now supposed to tell you something to do. It's not a sermon unless I tell you something to go out into the world and do. I was actually talking with someone this past week. I was at a worship conference and they were complaining about their pastor and she said, I mean, he preaches every Sunday, but he's only got one sermon. God loves you, do better. And my first thought was, I've preached that a time or 50. Let's not say that's a bad sermon. But today when Jesus says, I am the gate, I want you to hear this. You are loved. And that is it. You don't have to do a thing. When you call on the name of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ welcomes you in and loves you as his beloved child as one of his lambs kept safe in the sheepfold. You are loved, full stop. There's nothing for you to do. Thanks be to God for that. Amen.